We still don't know the fate of Michael Spavor, who was tried in China Friday on these fake charges of spying, but it's uh, very certain that whatever happens uh, in that courtroom, both Michael Koverg and Michael Spavor will be convicted unless a miracle appears. And they'll, of course, be probably sentenced to life in jail or some labor camp, maybe worse. But now that they've been tried, no question the return to this country is much, much harder. My next guest would know their suffering. His name is Peter Humphrey. He was a one-time journalist in China when he was arrested in 2013. Of course, he was ultimately convicted for a crime he didn't commit and would spend two years in jail. He got his freedom because of very heavy lobbying by the UK government, which got him freed on grounds of his health as he had developed prostate cancer. Peter Humphreys joining me now from the United Kingdom. You use your um, experience now um, of that nightmare to help others. What, what, what in your mind would be happening with the Michaels? Well, let's start with this trial that supposedly happened today. Um, I don't think it's a surprise really um, to see a trial session um, that doesn't immediately announce a verdict and a sentence. Um, in China, quite a lot of trials adjourn after the first and maybe after the only hearing um, and then they reconvene at a later date to announce a verdict and a sentence. So I would anticipate that that's what is going to happen and, and it could be very soon or it could just be left uh, lingering for quite a while. Um, I think that um, Michael Spavor this morning would have been basically dragged um, in shackles into a van and taken to the courthouse um, in shackles and that when he arrives in the courtroom they probably remove most of the shackles but he might have still been in handcuffs. I mean that's pretty standard in Chinese so-called trials and I can't imagine a two-hour session um, would have allowed him any opportunity whatsoever um, to defend himself and I don't think it's very likely that any defense evidence would have been allowed to be presented. I mean I was not allowed to present proper defensive evidence in my trial uh, back in 2014 um, even though I had piles of it. So I think it would have been very much a pro forma prescripted ceremonial affair unless he started yelling and protesting or something, which we don't know. We don't know because we weren't allowed to see it. I believe that the, that the reason why some trials are declared secret in China is because the authorities don't want the world to really know and see what happens inside the courtroom. I mean, to suggest that it's because of state secrets being involved is absolutely nonsense. So that's how I see today. So you have to look out for um, another session, I think, where a verdict would be announced. Insofar as um, the two Michaels, and particularly today, Michael Spavor, will have been treated in the mm -hmm. last, in the last, whatever it is, 300 and how many days is it? 380 days? Oh, it's um, eight, 835 days. Sorry, I, my, yeah. my maths. Eight, in the last 830 days, they will have been treated abysmally. And I'm very mm -hmm. sorry to say that for all the, Can all the Canadians uh, who are concerned about them. Um, because he, he, they would have been held in very, very Spartan um, conditions, cell room conditions. Initially, I believe they were held um, on their own. Uh, mm -hmm. And... and um, that meant that they would have suffered a lot of mental um, damage, really, from the lack of company. I mean, human beings need company. Um, but I believe that later on, they, they may have been transferred to cells with other cellmates 
and from a point of view of humanity, I suppose that's a little bit better. Um, but the conditions in these cells are appalling. Uh, usually, based on my own experience, you don't have beds in the cells, you have to sleep on a hard wooden floor. Um, there's no furniture in the cells normally in a detention center. And um, the sanitary conditions are extremely poor. You know, there's a hole in the floor type of toilet in the corner mm -hmm. of the cell. Um, there's an old, you know, heavy sink with cold water only. You have to wash with cold water and so forth. And, and going through that in the winter uh, in, in parts of China where they are based is, is absolutely awful because winter is like your winter. Um, sure. It's very cold. And the food conditions in these cells, you know, uh, in my experience, um, convict labor was used to bring a food trolley along the corridor of the cell block and they would pass doggy bowls through the bars of the door into the cell. And usually the food was cold. Um, it was usually quite dirty. And, you know, if you think about vegetables, um, you should think about the scraps from the vegetables that we throw away when we're preparing them for the pot because that's the kind of quality of vegetables they normally hand to prisoners. And, and there would be very little meat in the diet, very little protein. So it's really um, quite, quite physically quite stressful. And on top of that, you know, you're, you're deprived of any contact with mm -hmm. your loved ones, with your family, with your friends, and, and you're not getting proper consular visits at the rate and level that you are entitled to. Uh, which is what happened in their case, and you're not getting free access to legal advice at key moments. You are interrogated without without any legal advice. Right. You have to answer their questions without any legal advice. And Let me step in and ask you this, though, because, you know, when you, you basically had to um, make an involuntary confession, I mean, you were tortured yourself. Um, but these two men, we're talking 2021 now, tensions with China are obviously... Uh, much more acrimonious um, in the world. So is it, is it safe to say that um, it would be worse for the Michaels? And what would their chance of freedom be now? I think it has certainly been worse for the Michaels, uh, especially in the early months of their detention, because, as we all know, they were taken hostage. Um, right. they, were, they were hostages against uh, the, the arrest of Meng Wanzhou. And in that sense, it's been harder for them than it is for whatever an ordinary detainee might be, um, much harder. And, and I think that um, uh, right now, of course, it's even worse because tensions have ratcheted up even higher. And I believe that Chinese deliberately timed this trials, the two trials, to coincide roughly with these first high-level talks between the Chinese and the American government, which took place mm -hmm. yesterday in Alaska. This was a deliberate, you know, finger in the eye type of thing to remind the Americans that, you know, we've got these two Canadian hostages and it's all because you ordered the arrest of Meng Wanzhou and so forth. I'm, I'm sure that the timing was, was because of this. Uh, and so this is a reminder, this juxtaposition of these events two side, two, uh, on two sides of the planet uh, today and yesterday is a deliberate reminder to uh, the North Americans that they're not going free until you sort out this Meng Wanzhou problem. And I suspect, I mean, you know, these two men have been in horrible conditions as you were. Um, they have, to our knowledge, been able to keep their sanity with limited um, activity, just kind of keeping their minds active in that. But how did you keep your sanity, your wits, yeah. your strength? I mean, 
I have I've actually read um, a little bit of private correspondence from one of the two Michaels to their family. Um, I mean, they have been allowed to write one or two letters occasionally, and and I can see that their experience was very is, was is very similar to what I was going through. And you know, that letter writing is actually one of the ways that you keep your sanity. Right. I mean, you, under international law, you should be allowed to communicate with your family. Um, that has been severely curtailed uh, for these two guys. I mean, it, it was fairly limited for me as well, but I think for these two guys, it's been severely curbed. Um, but it is one of the things, and even if you don't know whether the letter ever arrives, arrives uh, reaches your wife or your son or whoever, um, the act of writing is something which is kind of calming and cleansing. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly, um, you get through this uh, every day by reading. And in, in the early stage of their detention, they were even deprived of reading materials, uh, which is really cruel because this is actually one of the ways that you keep sane and keep your mind functioning in a normal and straight straight way. I read, I read more books in 23 months in, in Chinese cells than I read in the pre previous 23 years. <laughs> um, right. And, and that is something that keeps you saying. And the third thing that helps you get through is knowing that there are people out there who love you. You know, it's keeping love alive in your mind and in your mm -hmm. heart. You know, what, one of the things that really enabled me to survive was the love between me and my wife. Right. And so, so it's, it is really important um, for governments to lobby for that for that um, family correspondence contact between a, a prisoner and their family and so forth um, to keep them sane and uh, that includes le allowing letters through allowing a few family photographs through and so forth those are the key three things I think that help to keep someone on the rail physically they will also need to do something because they're in right. a very confined space and I do remember that I think it was the Canadian Air Force who did who designed decades ago designed one of the best cell room um, exercise plans ever designed and and um, so they would need to try and develop a daily exercise program within right. their confined space to try and keep themselves from from deteriorating too much physically. Just before I let you go, Peter, quickly, what would you be telling? I mean, given the UK government lobbied for you, our government has uh, tried to appease China for the last few years. It has not worked. What should Justin Trudeau uh, do in his approach now with China? I think that Justin Trudeau has sat on the fence in many issues with China and, and I would agree with you that there's been a lot of appeasement, maybe more appeasement than hard talk. And this is completely wrong. You know, I've discussed this issue once or twice with Canadian diplomats in the UK. Two years ago, I told them about a Canadian prisoner in my prison in Chinku who was dying from cancer. Mm -hmm. The last few days I've heard that he has died and I haven't heard a peep out of the Canadian government. This was because, you know, he, he was not yeah. treated properly and well for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a very devastating. So you know, this kind of sit on the fence and be quiet thing is also seen in the way that CRTC, your, your TV regulator, has not been doing anything about a serious complaint that it received in 2019 over the use of forced televised confessions on Canadian airwaves by CGTN. You know, the Canadian government has really failed, I think, it's failed to protect its citizens, both abroad and, and at home, in, in view of those broadcasts. Um, and it's time, really, 
to be tough. I mean, I know that there is this dilemma of, you know, will it make things worse for the two Michaels? But, you know, you've got to think long term here and what is in the long term best national security interests of Canada and the Canadian right. population and not some short term, short term political um, gains. You know, this is this is really ridiculous. Canada needs to get off its hands. Yes, totally agree with you. Peter, I can't thank you enough for your time and certainly your shared um, experience with this. And uh, I hope uh, this has an outcome like your own, but I'm afraid it's, uh, you know, we're in different times. But I do very much appreciate your time with us. Let, let me just say one more thing as this is recorded. Um, I just remember something. But until the end of 2018, China had a habit of broadcasting televised forced and false confessions on TV, and it aired those confessions in foreign countries, your mm -hmm. airwaves, my airwaves. In, this, in, in November of 2018, I, I submitted a complaint to the UK television regulator, Ofcom, and in the last few months, I've managed to have uh, Chinese television kicked off the airwaves in, in, in the UK. I believe that if I hadn't filed that complaint a couple of years ago and set the ball rolling for a whole slew of similar complaints which followed it from other people. I believe that the two Michaels probably would have been paraded on television inside a cage like I would. Right. Um, yeah. So far they haven't done that um, and I suspect it's because uh, they do realize that they will they will suffer severe penalties if they do that to these two innocent men. We will stay tuned. Peter, my uh, very humblest thanks for your time and your shared experience. I very much appreciate it. Okay, thank you very much. That is Peter Humphrey uh, joining us here uh, from the United Kingdom. So he uses his uh, life now to help others like the two Michaels.